0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth, beauty, and meaning. I'm Chris Jimerson. I am the Minister for Program Development here at the church, and I have with me your wonderful lay leader, Susan Thompson. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person, and it's in that tradition that I invite you to turn to those around you and greet the holy among us this morning. Another of our Unitarian Universalist traditions is that we begin our services by lighting a chalice, which is a symbol of our faith. Please join me in reading our words for lighting the chalice, which are printed in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another.
1: Good morning. Hey, um, our opening words this morning um, will be a responsive reading, and it is taken from our great hymnal, uh, number 594, It's about our principles, and please join me in reading the words in italics. We affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We believe that each and every person is important. We affirm and promote justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. We believe that all people should be treated fairly. We affirm and promote acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth. We believe that our churches are places where all people are accepted and where we keep on learning together. We affirm and promote a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We believe that each person must be free to search for what is true and right in life. We affirm and promote the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process. We believe that all people should have a voice and a vote about the things which concern them. We affirm and promote the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. We believe that we should work for a peaceful, fair, and free world. We affirm and promote respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. We believe that we should use our place on
0: earth. In this church, and within Unitarian Universalism, we don't require everyone to believe the same thing. We don't have to sign on to a creed. What we do is we share those principles that we just read together. And in this church, we share a set of religious values. And out of those religious values arose our mission. It's our common purpose. We put it on our wall and we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community.
1: I have the privilege this morning of sharing with you our centering reading, which was written by Reverend Chris. Uh, after the blinding rains, after the blinding rains came and washed away the foundations, after the howling winds blew through windows, shattering glass and tearing apart wooden blinds and curtain fabric. Once the bombs had knocked down, even the walls made of such precise and rugged stone and fires had ravaged wooden rafters, I stumbled amidst the rubble of what was left, crying out at all that had been lost, unable to make repairs and build anew, searching for some new materials that might withstand such devastations. And then I saw you, and also you, and all of the ones following each of you, each carrying with you your own fragments of what had been. Some of you bringing new elements to strengthen our possibilities, replace what had been lost. And together we built new structures of meaning. We created soaring towers of beauty, deep wells of understanding, walls held aloft by an infrastructure of love. And there we dwelt for a while, fortified once more, having chosen our new place, and our new way of being.
0: This is the time in our service where we breathe together. We breathe in and out, feeling the love of community that surrounds us. Breathing together, we follow our breath to that deeper place inside, that place of grounding, that place that sustains us even through life's difficulties, that place where we know our true interconnection, that spark of the divine within each of us. And breathing together, We enter a moment of sacred silence together, remembering that in this congregation, human sounds and the sounds of small children are a part of that sacred silence. Breathing together, we now enter that time of sacred silence together. Oh, oh, In 1972, in the mountain town of Buffalo Creek, West Virginia, a rudimentary dam that had been holding back wastewater and sludge deposited behind it by a coal mining company collapsed during a rainstorm. A huge wall of thick black waste flooded town after town below, destroying homes, churches, roads, businesses. 125 people died. This waste avalanche wiped out the entire infrastructure infrastructure supporting community after community. Sociologists visiting the area a year later discovered not only individual trauma, but also collective trauma. Entire communities experiencing collective disorientation, disconnection, shock, Entire communities struggling to find meaning and purpose because of the structures and institutions, relationships, and routines that had defined their daily lives for generations had been swept away. Collective trauma is when the familiar ideas, expectations, norms, and values of an entire community or society are damaged plunging them into a state of extreme uncertainty and confusion. Studies have found that collective trauma can be transgenerational, passed on to the children of communities that have experienced trauma. In fact, one study even found that Holocaust survivors had passed a genetic tendency towards stress hormones associated with trauma to to their children, though this study has been argued with. Individually and collectively, trauma is the result of experiences that pose an existential threat to our well-being or even our very existence. And we can also experience secondary trauma when we witness such experiences happen to other people. Now, I want to go through a list of some of the signs and symptoms that can indicate trauma in a society and or in individuals. As I do so, I'd like to invite you to reflect on what we're witnessing in our U.S. society these days, as well as what you may or may not have felt or experienced yourself. Anxiety, fear, tension, inability to relax, trouble sleeping. Increased rates of substance abuse and other addictions. Impunity. Social injustice, inequality, discrimination. Feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. Rumors, disinformation, tendency toward conspiracy theories. A sense that one can never do enough. Hypervigilance. Chronic exhaustion, paranoia, a sense of persecution. Loss of communality, polarization, tearing of the social fabric. Depression, despair, increased physical ailments, shortened life expectancy. Any of that ring a bell? And the list could go on. A growing number of sociologists and others are suggesting that U.S. society is exhibiting signs of collective trauma. And would that really be so surprising? Let's review once again just some of what we have been experiencing and witnessing Rapidly growing wealth and income inequality that has resulted in greater and greater numbers of American households living in poverty or only one lost paycheck, one unexpected major expense, away from financial disaster. People having to crowdfund insulin and other basic health care necessities. This is an existential threat, folks. News reports full of violence. Threats of terrorism, renewed fears of nuclear war, mass shootings, school children having to participate in active shooter drills where they hide under their desk while uniformed men and guns burst into their schoolroom. How can we think they would not be traumatized? Climate change that is driving a new age of species extinctions and making whole geographic areas of our world uninhabitable. The Me Too movement revealing harassment and abuse women continue to endure in this country. Polarizing and sometimes violent political rhetoric and attacks upon the very institutions of our representative democracy. Those of us who are LGBTQI and our allies witnessing our hard-fought rights protections being reversed and moves to make discrimination against us legal. The continued brutality against and killing of African Americans by police who are rarely held accountable for it. Clueless white people calling police on African Americans for the crimes of having a barbecue while being black. Napping in their own dorm lobby, a black child selling lemonade in front of her own house. I find it horrifying to read these stories and view these images and videos. I can only imagine how traumatizing it must be for African Americans and other people of color. Our government ripping small children apart from their asylum-seeking parents, some who may never, ever be reunited. Our gross mistreatment and human rights violations of immigrants more broadly. Again, I experience what I can only honestly call secondary trauma from these stories and images. The trauma experienced by these children and their parents must be devastating, as well as that experienced by their collective communities. These are just some of the societal issues we are experiencing that could very well be leading to collective trauma. Now... I'm going to have to talk about our 45th president here for a moment. I hesitate because every time I do, I hear back from someone who thinks we shouldn't talk about politics from the pulpit or our senior minister, Meg, gets an upset email about it. The thing is, that set of religious principles that we read together earlier, as Unitarian Universalists, we make a covenant a sacred promise with ourself and with one another to affirm and promote them. And we can't be true to that covenant, that sacred promise, if we remain silent while our religious principles are trampled upon and violated in the political policy sphere. So when the Obama administration was holding small children in prison-like facilities, I spoke out against that, too. And I don't think we can begin to address the societal ills I just described if we don't acknowledge that the policies and rhetoric of 45 and his administration are creating some of them and making others of them much worse than they had been. And while I'm getting myself in trouble here, there is one more potential source of collective trauma that some social observers have proposed we may be experiencing. I want to read a definition for you. Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation that seeks to sow seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or in members of a targeted group, making them question their own memory, perception, and sanity. Using persistent denial, misdirection, contradiction, and lying, it attempts to destabilize the victim and delegitimize the victim's beliefs. Let's go back to that definition of collective trauma. Collective trauma is when the familiar ideas, expectations, norms, and values of an entire community or society are damaged or threatened, plunging them into a state of extreme uncertainty and confusion. The Washington Post fact-checker has documented that as of August 1st of this year, our 45th president has made 4,229 false or misleading claims in 558 days. That's an average of almost eight falsehoods per day, and they have found his rate of daily denials, misdirections, contradictions, and lies has been increasing. If you watch his rallies... I think he is even traumatizing his own supporters in this way. Okay, I'm done with that. Since I'm on my iPad, I'm just sending Meg a text warning her not to check her email until she gets back. (laughs) So, if we accept that we may well be experiencing collective trauma, how do we heal? How do we reduce our trauma responses and foster resilience? Well, the very first step may be recognizing and acknowledging the trauma. I think sometimes because what we're experiencing may be at a lower level than people who have, for example, experienced the horrors of genocide, we tend to discount our own feelings and experiences. To become whole again, though, requires that we share our feelings collectively, share our stories with each other, and that can feel very vulnerable. It's a paradox of trauma that it understandably causes us to want to put up an emotional shield because our vulnerability has been abused. And yet, and yet expressing our emotions can be one way through the trauma. Next. We can work to change the conditions that are leading to that trauma in the first place. We can join with groups that are pressuring our current governmental officials to institute policies that alleviate these social conditions and create a more equitable economic system. We can work to elect officials more committed to social justice and economic fairness. We can encourage and help others to vote. And my friends, there is an election coming up, so go vote. I called this sermon, Loving, Laughing, Living, Because one of the things that trauma causes us to do is to withdraw from the very things that bring us joy in life, the things that are what our lives are all about. During times like this, connection and belonging with our loved ones and expressing that love with them becomes even more important. Finding larger communities of compassion and support, such as in this congregation, can be vital. Taking care of ourselves, eating well, exercising, getting plenty of rest helps. Here's some advice that really helped me. Only access news and social media once or twice per day and set time limits on how long. Tending to our spirits, engaging in practices which can ground and calm us, whether that is attending worship... Meditation, yoga, hikes in nature, taking time to list all that for which we are grateful, whatever the practice might be, tending our spirits can also help shield us from collective trauma. And it is okay to take a break for a while from life's struggles, to immerse ourselves in beauty and the things that bring us joy. In fact, it is not only just okay, it is necessary for our well-being. It is one of the strongest ways we can resist collective trauma. Playfulness and fun, humor, the arts, goofing around with our pets, exhilarating and natural beauty. Collective trauma and progressive guilt, can cause us to rob ourselves of these experiences of beauty and joy. We can feel that we don't deserve them because, after all, we have it better than so many other folks do. The truth is, we need them to sustain our spirits and give us resilience in our struggle to create a better world wherein we no longer experience human-caused collective trauma. Allow yourself the joy, my beloveds. I've come to think of joy as divine love finding expression in our lives. I'll close with the words of the poet Jack Gilbert. If we deny our happiness, resist our satisfaction, we lessen the importance of their deprivation. We must Risk delight. We must have the stubbornness to accept our gladness in the ruthless furnace of the world. To make injustice the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. If the locomotive of the Lord runs us down, we should give thanks that the end had magnitude. We must admit there will be music despite everything. Amen. Now, please join me in our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again.